Blog Talk Radio. Rifleman Radio Show. The Rifleman Radio Show is brought to you by the Appleseed Project, which is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. <clears throat> the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated to bringing you the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today. And I mean that with all of my heart. We have the absolute best program that's available. <clears throat> it's the best program. It's the least expensive program. It's the most successful program. And it's all brought to you by volunteers. The Revolutionary War Veterans Association is a uh, uh, 501c3 org that uh, is completely uh, all volunteer. It's a grassroots nationwide organization uh, and that is where we where we get our strength uh, from the thousands of volunteers that we have and that, that is how the program runs it runs 100 percent uh, powered by volunteer americans and uh, and if you come to an event you'll see that uh, the folks that uh, are running the event the volunteers the instructors are some of the best folks that the nation has to offer. Not only that, but the folks that decide to come to an event to attend it, those folks, too, are some of the best folks you will find in the nation. Just the the absolute cream of the crop. Folks that uh, 
they're just really good folks. They they understand that uh, our nation is uh, well. To be quite honest, our nation is in peril, and uh, and they want to do something about it. And they're there for the weekend. First of all, to learn how to shoot better. They set themselves a goal of improving their rifle marksmanship. And almost, uh, I would say, to the high 99-point-something percent, those goals are achieved. And the few times that they're not achieved, usually that person did not show up with the teachable attitude, which is the main requirement for an Appleseed event. That's that you show up with with a teachable attitude. If you want to be prepared for an event, uh, it's uh, it's about 95% mental. And uh, of the mental portion, it's about 95% uh, showing up with a teachable attitude. That means that you're there ready to learn. You're open to the uh, instruction that's being given, willing to uh, attempt the techniques uh, for better or worse. And... uh, and then you're going to be uh, uh, doing your best to uh, accept the instruction and techniques and to implement them. <clears throat> that is the uh, that's the secret to the uh, success of the program. And we're not going to make it hard on you because uh, the uh, the skills and techniques that we teach at Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekend. Uh, this isn't some uh, newfangled stuff that we've uh, that we've whipped up uh, uh, and uh, and decided to try out on the attendees and uh, use them as test monkeys for this. These are tried and true methods. This is uh, all the instruction, all these skills, all the techniques have all been distilled down from over 500 years uh, of firearms experience. Really. To be honest, uh, all we've really done is streamlined it. We've cut, we've trimmed all the fat off. Uh, instead of having uh, three paragraphs to explain to you uh, about a certain skill or technique, we've trimmed it down to one sentence in many cases, and that allows us to uh, to pack everything that we can into the weekend. <clears throat> so first off. It's the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today, run by, completely, by volunteers. But that being said, it's really not about shooting. Really, it's about letting you know that you have a debt to pay, that you have a debt to pay to those who have come before you. And... uh, how can you pay that debt? It's going to be kind of hard because uh, most of the Revolutionary War veterans are uh, are actually dead. I say most because uh, you know the world is a strange place. You never know. There could be uh, uh, maybe in the very back of the uh, uh, of some cave somewhere. There's a Revolutionary War veteran and uh, a Loch Ness monster and a Bigfoot uh, and everything else uh, uh, sitting around in a circle. But all the Revolutionary War veterans are dead. So how are we going to uh, how are we going to pay the debt? And the answer is 
we're going to honor them. And how do we honor them? By remembering them, by telling the stories about them. So you're going to come for the shooting, but then what you're going to get is a great deal of history, uh, a great deal uh, of information about why you should be, why you have, first of all, why you have what you have, and and how it started, how it began, what what those people who were making the sacrifices, why they were doing it, why they did it, and what you, as a uh, as the modern day American benefiting from their sacrifices, what your responsibility is to the nation, where you fit in with this, why. Uh, uh, why being American, being an American, is not as simple as having your name uh, written into a slot on a piece of paper. It makes you a citizen, but it doesn't make you an American. You get to be an American when you understand that you have a sacred obligation to those that have come before you and those who will come after you. A sacred obligation to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that the nation affords you. We're not going to tell you, we're not going to give you a uh, a completely written out blueprint on how you do that, because as an American, you don't need that. All you need is to be reminded that you have the obligation, and then pointed in the right direction. And as an American, you can figure the rest out yourself. Uh, you don't need uh, some form of uh, uh, of government to tell you how or what to do. You can figure it out. You can get it done. You just need to be reminded that you have that obligation, that you have that responsibility. You just need to be reminded that sitting on the couch with the remote control Watching the 30-minute sitcoms is not going to fix anything. You're going to have to do more than that. And that's where Appleseed comes in. I've always thought of Appleseed as as a starting point, you know, as a singularity, as a, as a launch pad. And the folks that are coming to the Appleseed events. We're lighting the fuses and uh, we're taking a step back and they're igniting and taking off. Now, we can't control uh, everywhere or they go or what they do, and nor do we want to. That's not our job. Our job is just to make sure uh, that they are living up to their potential and that they are understanding that they do have a uh, a sacred obligation to safeguard the freedoms and liberty of the nation. So they come for the shooting. They set their goal uh, to improve their rifle marksmanship, and they accomplish that. And the logical follow-up question then is, what next? What next can I do? Man, I set a goal. I set a goal, and I met that goal, and in most cases I exceeded that goal. I did more than I thought I was going to do. What next? I'm hungry now. I'm hungry for something to do. Uh, 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 Somebody 
has rubbed the sleep out of my eyes. Uh, they've uh, dashed some cold water on my head and reminded me that I have a job to do, and now I'm awake, I'm ready to do the job. What next? That's where we excel. And how do we do that? <clears throat> well, we do that by telling the story. If you've been to an apple seed, then you know what I'm talking about. We call it the story. It's three strikes of the match. And we talk about the the events of April 19, 1775, because that's, that is when the turning point came. That is, uh, that is what, when, what is best about us as Americans when it first started to shine through. So we tell that story uh, in order to honor those people and then to help make the folks who are attending realize their obligations. And uh, if you want to be an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship instructor, then you have to learn how to tell the story. And the story is composed of three parts, the, the, the bare basics of it. And we call it the three strikes of the match. And uh, it concerns the events in the first strike, the events which occurred uh right prior to and then at Lexington Green on the morning of April 19, 1775. The second strike of the of the match talks about what occurs after the events at Lexington up to the uh, Battle at the North Bridge and then all the way to uh, the end of the battle there and the troops reforming and leaving to return to Boston. And strike three talks about the events which occurred uh, once the British regulars met the uh, colonial militia at Merriam's Corner, and then the running battle which occurred all the way back uh, to Boston, all the way back to uh, the uh, Charleston Neck, and then which began the siege of Boston. Those are the three strikes of the match. Now there's also other additional information that... Uh, that we may put in during the day, but those, but that's not the story. Well, I just explained to you the three strikes. That's the story. <clears throat> there are there are other incidental uh, bits of history and information that we put in, uh, such as uh, dangerous old men, or the story of Isaac Davis, uh, or the story of the uh, the women of. Uh, uh, of the colonies there, or uh, uh, or the story of uh, Hezekiah Wyman uh, or David uh, Lampson, uh, any of the any of the the rest of the incidental stories that we add in uh, to help fill out the events of that day. But those are incidental pieces; they're not part of the story. <clears throat> so, if you're going to be a uh, RWVA instructor, you have to know how to tell the story. Now, 
before I get too much farther, let me. Uh, I got a couple of, uh, of other things I need to do real quick. One is uh, I need to bring uh, Sam D onto the show. Sam, welcome to the show. Hi, Scout. How are you Glad doing this on. evening? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Just fantastic. Well, I wouldn't want to do a show if, if I uh, if I didn't see you sitting here with me, Sam. <laughs> well, also let me get. Uh, let me check one last thing real quick, and then we'll get started. And that is <clears throat> giving you guys the uh, the upcoming events because uh, we've got uh, uh, another weekend left in December, and then the beginning of January. So let me run through those <clears throat> real quick. Uh, the weekend of the 18th and 19th, which is this weekend that's coming up right now. We have Sierra Vista, Arizona, Sacramento, California, Azusa, California, Mariposa, California, Mayaca City, Florida, North Fayetteville, North Carolina, Ramsar, North Carolina, Boulder City, Nevada, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, Davila, Texas, and Hubertus, Wisconsin, which uh, on Saturday, the 18th, is a one-day event. That'll close out the... Uh, the 2010 schedule forever and ever and brings us up to uh, the 2011 schedule. <clears throat> that begins on January 8th and 9th in Piru, California, followed by Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Indianapolis, Indiana, Saturday, January the 8th is a one-day event. Annapolis, Maryland, January 8th and 9th. Las Vegas, Nevada. Dallas, Fort Worth. Stinson, West Virginia, that takes us to the weekend of the 15th and 16th, which begins in Sacramento, California, Corona, California, Rainbow, California, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, Enfield, New Hampshire, Alamogordo, New Mexico, Manheim, Pennsylvania, which takes us to the January 22nd, 23rd weekend, which begins in Buckeye, Arizona, followed by Gunnison, Colorado, Augusta, Georgia, Lewiston, Idaho, Pelham, New Hampshire, St. George, Utah, Saturday, January 22nd is a one-day event. That takes us to the 29th and 30th of January, which begins in Castro Valley, California, followed by Dulzura, California, Lebanon, Connecticut, Atlanta, Indiana, Calverton, New York, and El Paso, Texas. All right. Uh, check the roster frequently because we're going to continue to add to it. Uh, all right, uh, and how did I get to this page, which tells me the the locations and the schedule of the events? Well, what I do is I go to rwva.org. That's the home page, rwva.org. And uh, at the top of the page, you'll see a bunch of uh, different tabs. The second from the left, it says Appleseed. You put your cursor on that. Right underneath it, it says Schedule. You click on Schedule, that will take you to the page that I just read from. Remember, on that page, you can look at the event, and uh, once you've selected an event, or if you want to find out more about an event, then you look to the right of it. There's two hot links. One says Information. If you click on that, it will give you the Event Information page, which will be relevant to that specific location for that specific date. Uh, it'll give you contact information, uh, directions, 
uh, hotels, etc. Uh, and then to the right of that is another hot link that says register. This is so that once you've looked at a location and you've uh, you've decided on an event to, that you would like to go to, this will allow you to register, pre-register for the event using the Eventbrite system, which is a third-party software we use to register folks for the event. Please pre-register so that uh, we'll know that you're coming. Number one, it guarantees you a place on the line. And number two, we know, we'll know you're coming, so we'll know the, how, how many folks to schedule instructors to schedule for that event, how much supplies and gear and stuff to send out to it, etc. So once again, go to rwva.org. Look at the tabs across the top. Put your cursor on Appleseed. Click on Schedule, and that will take you to this page. Find the location on the date you want to attend. Click on Register, and go ahead and pre-register for that event. All right. Uh, once again tonight, uh, I was working with SCSI until uh, about ten minutes ago, trying to get the uh, the software worked out. We downloaded some other uh, browsers and stuff to try and work with this, <clears throat> but uh, uh, but as of right now, I still don't have any access to chat and. Uh, so, Sam, if somebody uh, has any information they need to relay or to get to me, just let me know, okay? Well, Scout, I don't have any net access myself. Our server's down here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, okay, good. We're both, both in exile. <laughs> that just makes life a lot, a lot simpler already. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, give us a quick rundown, Sam, on New Mexico. How are things going there? Pretty good, Uh We've pretty much finished up our schedule for the year, and we're already doing our promotions for our January shoot. And uh, we got shoots scheduled basically uh, one every month for the first four months here down in this corner of the state. And uh, there are seven or eight scheduled for up north to Weddington. They're already putting their schedule together for Albuquerque as soon as we can get the, the city to give us range time. And uh, things are moving right along. We're promoting new instructors. Uh, got us a couple of new red hats last month. And things are working real well. Well, that sounds great. Uh, what uh, what are you working on right now for your promotions? Well, right now I'm Any? drawing up a, a slightly revised flyer to pass out to some there's some homeschoolers in the area, and uh, we're going to see how that goes. And we have a group of ladies who participated with us over the last six months who are going to get together uh, right after New Year's Day to go out and uh, leaflet the world, I guess you'd say. And uh, they're going to try to get some flyers into some non-traditional places. Going to hit up the grocery stores and... and uh, a few other spots, and uh, we'll just do some more word-of-mouth promotion. Have you found any uh, uh, SAR, DAR uh, chapters <clears throat> close by to you that uh, that you might be able to work with? We have one in a lot I think of I've asked you this I... before, and I think that you answered me, 
but I don't remember. <clears throat> we finally found a SAR chapter in Las Cruces, and uh, I got a hold of them last week. I'm still waiting for a reply. Uh, get over there and like speak with them early next month if possible. They're supposed to have a meeting uh, about the second week of January. And we're looking at trying to get a hold of some of the other chapters in the state farther north. So there may be some success there. Well, I told you that, uh, you know, I, uh, I I don't have time to sit down and, and and do every one. But every time I think about it, <coughs> I try and grab a uh, SARDAR chapter and shoot them a... Uh, uh, an email, just an introduction thing. <clears throat> and the one local to me here, you know, I tried for uh, a couple of years uh, shooting them the emails and stuff, and uh, uh, and I never heard anything back. And then all of a sudden, you know, we did, uh, I got the, uh, the local uh, big paper, you know, it's about 100,000 uh, circulation, got them to come out and do a story. And we actually got made front page above the crease uh, with uh, photos and everything. And uh, I'll be, I'll be dogged if uh, uh, the next week the uh, lady from the uh, the DAR chapter didn't, uh, didn't show up at an event and uh, was really excited about it and, and gave her all the information and stuff. And she had a, a meeting with her. DAR, DAR chapter last week and uh, uh, and gave them the rundown and then she's uh, scheduling me for a talk uh, this coming year on the 2011 schedule but uh, but it was just because of the newspaper <laughs> none of my emails I guess uh, struck a note or anything but uh, but that finally worked out I'm just hoping to hear more from folks doing uh, uh, working with the SAR DAR folks yeah, because I think it's uh, I keep pushing that because I think it's going to be a uh, a really worthwhile uh, uh, group to work with. I think if we can get the uh, local chapters uh, pay a little bit of attention and. I understand that some have a couple places. Uh, once they get used to the idea of us being around, I think word will filter up to the national level, and and we may finally be able to do something with them on a national level, which will help right. every time, quite a bit. Every time, yeah, right. Every time you, uh, every time you uh, sign on another ally, then it cuts your work down. You know, every time you get someone else. Uh, some other organization to come on board, and it cuts down the amount of work that you're having to do. So, or at least it adds to uh, the possible help that you could get, because a lot of those folks uh, are really hard workers. And uh, you know, I like I said, I just want to keep pushing that. And I sure would like to hear from some folks uh, at some point. If they've had successes with working with the SARDAR, uh, so if any of you guys have uh, uh, have any stories about that, then uh, then give me a call. We're gonna what we're gonna be talking tonight uh, about is telling the story, 
and uh, that is uh, probably the most important job that uh, an apple seed instructor does on a uh, on an apple seed weekend is telling the story and relating it to uh, to today <clears throat> so uh, it's a very very important part of your show now the most important thing of course is safety but uh, that's your your overriding prime directive is going to be safety during the event but past that is making sure that you are telling the story and that you're making it work and that you're making uh, you're making folks believe uh, in the story <clears throat> and the way to do that <clears throat> is to make sure that you believe in the story <clears throat> now when i first started uh, that was one of the hardest things for me to do was to was to tell the story uh, because I didn't know a lot about it, and and when you don't know a lot about something, it's hard to uh, it's hard to feel confident talking about it. So the first thing I did was learn about it. You know, I read as many books as I could get my hands on it. I read the David Hackett Fisher book, and to the and to date, that's still the most comprehensive book. Uh, that I have found, I, I believe, that the most comprehensive book that's out there that speaks to the events that occurred on April 19th, uh, 1775. Uh, so that's certainly where you want to start off with, and, and that is the Appleseed text. And uh, we've had uh, Dr. Fisher on the show uh, last year at some point, and, uh, and we're certainly appreciative of the work that he did for it. So the first thing you want to do is start off uh, is make sure that you are familiar with the material. And the way to do that is by reading, studying about it. Once you're familiar with the material, then you take a lot of the pressure off yourself uh, as far as uh, when you're standing in front of folks, talking to them. Because if you don't have to remember about the uh, about the uh, like it, like it, about the uh, the history about the the facts, the facts and figures. If you don't have to, if you're not struggling to try and remember that, uh, then really uh, the pressure is pretty much off of you, other than if you have a fear of public speaking. The next thing that you'll have to do <clears throat> is, uh, let's see. Last week I told the second strike of the match on the air here, and I, I don't I don't remember how long it ran, probably at least an hour, but that what? wasn't. Uh, that wasn't so that that wasn't so that you could use that yeah. as the as the story uh, that was just information and a telling uh, of the second strike <clears throat> because it had a lot more information in it than than what you actually needed so what you want to do is uh, get that down, get your get your story down to uh, about twenty twenty five minutes. Uh, like I said last uh, last week, I think I ran about an hour or so. So you're going to become familiar with the with the actual facts of April nineteenth, seventeen seventy five, and then what you're going to do is out of all those facts. And there's a lot of different stories 
uh, a lot of different slices that you can look at uh, from dif- different uh, points of view, uh, different authors, uh, etc. A lot of information. And what you will do is you will glean f- from that information, you'll, you'll go through it, and you'll find the parts of the story of April 19th, 1775 that resonate with you, that, uh, that you find that you have uh, an emotional and uh, a spiritual or mental tie into. And then you'll develop your story. You'll, it's like building a road. You'll build your road to tell the story by piecing together those parts of the story that mean the most to you. Now, you have to put in uh, certain uh, parts of the story that we, that we want you to ensure that you relate to the attendees. But that can be done in many ways. So you, you look through the, inf- the information uh, from the, uh, the different sources of information that you have, and you start uh, piecing together your story using the the parts of the information that you get that resonate with you. And the reason you want to do that is because it's going to be, uh, number one, it's going to be easy to remember. Number two, it will help you tell the story from a point that is more believable, more passionate. You know, when I when I tell the new instructors, when I'm talking to them about telling the story, uh, one of the things I tell them is that uh, getting the getting all the facts and figures exactly right uh, is not as important as making the people who are listening, making them understand that the story is important to you. It can't just be a dry recitation of facts. It has to be uh, a passionate telling of the events of that day by you, by a person who believes in it, by a person who is moved by it. Because if you don't believe in the story, what in the world, why in the world would the folks, if you don't, if you don't find that the story is important, if it doesn't move you, if it's not important to you, why in the world would it be important to anybody that's listening? What, what in the world would make them listen to you uh, rather than drift off to sleep or wander off or, uh, or just uh, concern themselves with their beans and weenies that they're eating? It has to be important to you. And you have to make sure that they understand that, that you convey that importance to them. So, first of all, familiarize yourself with the material. Make sure that you're not having to having to, to grasp for names and dates uh, uh, and uh, timelines, etc. Make sure you have a good grasp of the events that occurred that day. Then, because as I said, there's... There's, uh, you know, easily uh, uh, 200 hours of storytelling just in the Hackett Fisher book. From that 200 hours of storytelling, 
you're going to pare it down. You're going to select the parts of the story that uh, that need to be told according to the uh, the Appleseed story guidelines and the parts of the story that motivate you, that move you, that make you uh, that make you want to tell the story in a passionate manner. The parts of the story that move you so that you can't help but become passionate when you tell the story. Because the events of that day are very stirring events. And uh, what you'll do is you'll just sew up, you sew up your story, build your story, build up the trail of your story in such a way that you're relating it to the folks with the parts of the story that resonate in you. <clears throat> All right, uh... Uh, we're starting to build up some callers, so I want to make sure that we that everybody that people don't have to wait too long and uh, they can chime in on this. We also have the folks from uh, Eric uh, in Florida. Uh, SKS uh, has his group of guys there at the RBC. They're going to be calling in, in a little while. <clears throat> but uh, if you guys, uh, I'll start uh, I'll start taking the calls now, so we can talk about this. Uh, area code uh, 304-889, you're on the air. Area code 304. And if you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk. I'll uh, I'll just go to I'll go to the next caller, but uh, you're welcome to talk. <clears throat> All right. Uh, area code 720-562, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Okay. Area code three one six six four four. You're on there. I am here. Okay. Who's this? Uh, this is uh, Mike Johnson in Wichita, Kansas. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing just great. Welcome to the show, Mike. Uh, are you? Uh, hey, thanks. Are you a uh, uh, a appseed instructor? No, I'm not an instructor. My wife's an instructor in training. That's Ann. Uh, oh, uh, Mike. Mike and Ann. Yeah. 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 Actually, her mom uh, called a few minutes ago, so she had to take that call. But uh, Yeah, well, I can tell from your voice that the, the floggings are continuing. <laughs> well, she, uh, she went through an IBC this last weekend and had an absolute blast. She came home smelling like a fireplace. I was a little jealous. Well, have you got to uh, have you got to hear her tell the story yet? Not yet, uh, parts of it. Uh, but I tell you what, the guys uh, here in Kansas that instruct uh, are you mentioned being passionate. These guys are extremely passionate, and uh, they they kept it uh, upbeat and interesting. And uh, one of them even brought a brought an old bayonet to kind of emphasize what. Uh, what these uh, British guys had on their their muskets or their you know their guns and uh, so yeah as far as, as far as that goes they uh, they they really love it <laughs> I can tell they know the story by heart well well Anne is working on it though right I mean she's she is she's working on telling the story what what is uh, uh what level is she now uh she is she's just uh, and instructor in training. She just got her orange hat. Um, I think she accepted the the challenge uh, about a, 
two months ago, but uh, she finally got her actual orange, orange hat December 4th. Uh, so she's getting okay, tied so in. Okay, so she's now. just starting out, but uh, so she doesn't have. She probably hasn't had to tell the story yet, but <clears throat> she's going to have to start uh, working on getting her story ready. Has she been? Uh, uh, has she been practicing on you? A uh, little bit here and there. She's uh, been reading the uh, Paul Revere, uh, Paul Revere's Ride, and she requested that I get her some other books for Christmas that were right along the same lines. So, so she's gearing up. I'm telling you. Okay. Well, the best thing for her to do is to to practice on you guys because, uh, as I was saying earlier. The first thing you do is you make sure that you are familiar with the facts and figures and stuff, with all the information uh, of the the uh, three strikes of the match of the events of April 19, 1775. Make sure that you're familiar with the uh, with the events. Then you find the uh, the parts of the story that you can tie together that that make you want to tell the story. And for for different people, it's different things. Uh, but you'll find that, okay? Now, the next part of that is to begin telling the story, begin rehearsing it. And that's then uh, the only way you're going to perfect it, of course, is uh, by doing it in front of folks. But the way you get ready for doing that is by by practicing and uh I would do it uh, uh, while I was shaving, you know. I would do uh, sections of the story while I was shaving. Uh, I would do sections of the story. And the, the majority of the time, uh, you know, I'd spend a lot of time on the tractor, uh, which which for me is just horrendously uh, painful uh, because you're just, uh, you know, going in circles. Uh my father absolutely loves it, but uh, I don't. So, in order to make it uh, make some uh, good use of my time, I would be practicing the story in the tractor, and I'd actually be, you know, be telling the story out loud, <clears throat> so that you get more and more familiar with telling the story. And you can even without somebody listening, you can begin to learn uh, what works and what doesn't work. So, you're telling the story out loud. Then the next thing you do is start uh, trying it on people. You know, I would use uh, I would use my daughters uh, to tell them the story. You know, we would have uh, uh, we have reading time at night. I would read to them and uh, uh, different stories. Uh, they've heard uh, I can't tell you how many versions of uh, of April nineteenth, but I would use uh, them. To practice my story on, and uh, the more you tell it, the easier it gets to tell, and you develop a way of telling the story. Uh, you develop your show. It's it's no it's no different than an actor uh, memorizing his lines uh, for a monologue, uh, like uh, like Hamlet's monologue or or anything like that. It's no different than you memorizing that and learning. How to tell it, uh, and the only way to do that is by rehearsing it, is by trying it out on folks 
and that makes it a lot more comfortable for you when you get up in front of the an audience to tell it because, as I said, you've removed most of the main obstacles. Number one, you know the material. You know the facts and figures. So that releases you uh, from having to worry about scrambling for a name or a date. Uh, number two, you've sewn it together so that the parts that you're getting ready to tell are the parts that really mean something to you. And when they mean something to you, it's not like you have to to say, oh, wait a minute, what comes next or how does this work? Because you're telling a story that now you're living. You're living this story. You're there on the trail. You're sitting uh, You're sitting on the edge of the trail right there uh, with David Lampson and the rest of the guys when the supply wagon comes up. Uh, you're standing on the green with Parker whenever uh, uh, whenever uh, Pitcairn comes riding up. So you're living the story, and you're not you're no longer uh, a uh, disconnected uh, observer. Now you've put yourself into the action, and you're telling the story from the point of view of. Uh, of a person who was there. So now you're walking down the trail with them. So it's not like you have to, to try and figure out how to get from point A to point B because it's a path that you walk every day. It's a path that you know very that you know quite well because you walk from uh, Lexington Green uh, to Concord, and then you walk from Concord to Merriam's Corner, and you do this uh, you know, as part of your daily life uh, as a member of, uh, of the militia there in uh, Concord. <clears throat> so now you've got your story together. Then what comes is the is smoothing it out, is getting used to it. It's like uh, uh, like uh, wearing uh, wearing in a new pair of boots, getting a pair of gloves to fit right, uh, getting a baseball glove uh, worn in. You make sure that you're familiar with telling the story, and you begin to figure out how you want to tell it, uh, where you want to speed up, where you want to actually yell, uh, where you want to talk quietly and, and intensely. Uh, and I'll tell you right now that uh, there, if you're telling the story, if you're an instructor uh, doing his job as you're supposed to, then there's probably going to be parts of the story that are going to cause you uh, uh, that are going to cause you to maybe they to tear up maybe your voice is going to crack fine so be it don't uh, don't run from that embrace it why shouldn't you it's an important part of the story whenever you get to uh, I know for me when I talk about Isaac Davis, when I talk about him gearing up, getting ready to leave on the morning of April 19, 1775, whenever he was leaving his sick children at home, when you can tell from his wife's uh, his wife's notes on it that she knew and she felt that he knew that he wasn't coming back. He wasn't going to come back. They both knew that. And everything that that meant, 
that he would probably be seeing his children, his wife, for the last time. His children were sick. Who was going to take care of them? What if they died? He didn't have to go. He could have pleaded the fact that his children were sick. I can't go. My kids are sick. Who will take care of them? And yet he did. He did go. And if you're familiar with the story, you know what happened after that. He didn't come home. Mm-hmm. When I tell that story, I think about myself. I think about about myself, about saying goodbye to my wife, about my five daughters, about them being sick. And listen, uh, I already would get... I already used to get this uh, early on in the program. You know, I was doing uh, 22, 23, 24 uh, events per year, and uh, it seemed like every weekend I was loading up and uh, and taking off, and my kids, uh, my daughters would be, uh, you know, at certain points crying, Eddie, don't go, don't go. And... Just that. I'm not going to war. I'm not going to to what I feel might be my the the end of my life. I'm just going to to teach an event, and yet that was hard for me to walk away from. If I were having to walk away from my wife and my kids and feel that I would more than probably not come back, who's going to take care of them? What's going to happen to my family? As a man, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm, let me put that back. Of course, I'm afraid of dying. But that is not what puts the fear into me. I could very easily, I'm sure, stand in ranks with my with my uh, fellow members and do what needs to be done, regardless of the outcome. That doesn't worry me. What worries me is what would happen to my family. And yet, he did. He did. And why? Because it was that important to him. It was that important to him. And not just for him. He wasn't doing it just for him. Because what would that accomplish? He was doing it for his kids. For his grandkids. For the for those who would come after. So when I get to that part of the story, it's, not, it's quite common for me uh, to to have a hard time making it through that path. But I do because it's important. There's no shame in that. There's no shame if you, uh, if your eyes water up, if your voice cracks, okay? Let it be. Let it come. You'll get through it and you'll get out on the other side and, uh, and the people will see uh, that it means something to you. And because it means something to you, it's going to mean something to them. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let me see. Sam, uh, opening your mic back up here. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I see you down at the very bottom of the of the row there. Are you back? I'm back. I got bumped off by that nasty English woman, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. Hold on. <laughs> let me bring uh, another caller on here. Uh, area code 941. Three two two, you're on the air. 
Hey, Scout. This is Eric. It's an SKS calling from Iaca <laughs> City, Florida. Uh, hey, Iaca twelve ten. All right. Uh, well, how's everything going there? Oh man, this RBC is everything I thought it would be, and then some. Uh, we've got eight shooters on the line. We've got instructors from all over the country. Uh, the weather's been much different than I ever expected in Florida. It's been blazing cold with winds gusting to 30 miles an hour. Well, excellent. Excellent. That's good because, uh, you know, you guys have heard me say this many times, that uh, why? Why go to an RBC uh, to an experience something that you experience all the time, all right? You want to uh, you want to go to an RBC and experience uh, new stuff. Uh, oh yeah, so well sounds, the uh, the shooters at this good. event got to experience what it feels like to be sandblasted. Uh, got to experience what it was like to be mostly frozen to the ground. Uh, had some rain on Sunday, so it was uh, so far so good. Lots of learning experiences. Uh, like well, to we hand had, over uh, to instructor uh, P. Henry. Uh, he's the shoot boss for this soiree, so I'd like to give him an opportunity to speak on a little bit, and then we've got some folks that'd like to speak as well. So, okay, well, hold on before you go. Oh. Uh, we've got uh, uh, we got you on seven minutes early, so you got uh, <coughs> you got uh, some uh, some time here. What we're talking about tonight, uh, and uh, uh, I, I'd like to get everybody's take on it as they come on. Okay. Is, uh, is telling the story. Uh, because, as you know, and I think you and I have even talked about this before, that, uh, <clears throat> and of course, most of the folks in the program know that, that uh, while we teach the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today, that that's not what we do. I mean, it's not. Uh, it's in a shooting organization. This isn't uh, a social club uh, where we excel is in telling the story, and uh, and we have some absolutely fantastic storytellers. <clears throat> if you wanted, if you wanted to uh, to give your uh, your ideas on the story, what I'm saying is. Uh, no, I, I uh, if you're explaining, exactly telling the story to a new instructor, tell me what you would say, what you would relate to them. Telling the story is probably the most important part of being an instructor. Uh, being able to literally reach into somebody's heart and grab it and make them feel what it is to be an American, what it means to have had people fight and die for your liberty 235 years ago. If you can't do that, I'm sorry, but you're not cut out to be an RWVA instructor because that's what we do every weekend. Well, <clears throat> what, uh, how did it go? Like, whenever you were first began telling the story, uh, what, what helped you? What helped you become a good storyteller? Because I've heard, I haven't heard you tell the story, but I've heard folks uh, 
I've the heard support, folks say that you can tell the story. Generous shoot bosses who literally threw me under the bus, saying, "Get out there and tell the story." Uh, having you know good notes, having read Paul Revere's ride, I've heard you recommend it a number of times. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, and sitting down and writing out what I thought the story should sound like. Uh, making the story into my own. That is, that's what it has enabled me to tell what I believe is a good version of the story. All right, and then of the three strikes of the match, what's your, what's your favorite part? Everybody's got a favorite uh, strike that they like to tell. What's your favorite? By far, Isaac Davis. Because his is probably the most poignant of all of the individual stories of how one person can make a difference and how much, and even further, how much those men and women sacrifice. Right, because uh, for as I told you guys last week in the second strike, <clears throat> Isaac Davis was, uh, uh, well, one of the things that, one of the parts, the reason that we know, and we don't know a lot about a lot of the individual men and women who participated in that day. We only know, we only get snippets of the story, but we know his part of the story because a lot of it was recorded, the fact that uh, that he was a uh, blacksmith and what he did for his men, the marksmanship, the making bayonets, making cartridge boxes. And then from his wife's uh, recounting, we know what happened when he left that day. We know the events surrounding it, and we know the details of it. So there are thousands of those stories. We just don't know all of them. Because we're not, we weren't fortunate to have uh, them all recorded, but we do know his, and it's a very, very uh, moving story. Well, what would you give? Uh, uh, say, I'm getting ready to uh, uh, to tell the, the first strike of the match for the first time. I'm warming up in the bullpen. What would be your uh, uh, your words of encouragement or your words of uh, uh, of uh, your advice to me? Uh, for those that are looking to do their first, their very first history presentation, uh, the the most important thing is to convey emotion. Uh, it's very possible that you're going to get some of the names mixed up. It's very possible that you're going to get some of the facts mistaken. Uh, by and large, Americans don't know their history. Most of them will have never heard the story that you're about to tell. So they're not going to immediately know that what you've told them is wrong. Uh, exactly. So don't. Don't. I what? tell the guys that all the time. I say, guys, listen. Unless, unless you say uh, that General Gage was leading the colonists on that date, and that Washington was the uh, was the British governor, uh, and they may not even catch that. But unless you unless you say something like that. They're not going to. They're not going to get it. The only way they're going to know is if you make a big deal out of it. So don't make a big deal out of it. Just tell the story. Tell the story uh, with your emotion, 
And here's the other thing that, that I would tell them, uh, and this is from uh, uh, from my years of working with uh, in theater and stuff, is that the folks that are sitting there waiting to hear you tell the story, they are not uh, they are not Revolutionary War critics. They want you to succeed. They're rooting for you. They want you to do well. They're going to be extremely forgiving uh, of any if any gaffes you make, even if they if even if they catch them. Number one, they're not going to catch them. But if the ones that they did, they're going to be extremely forgiving because they want you to succeed. They are all rooting for you. They are all they all want to hear this story. So right then and there, you've got you've got that going for you. There, none of the folks there say or have. Uh, heads of lettuce behind their backs or rotten tomatoes ready to throw at you. They want you to succeed. They want to chap, to, to clap and cheer for you uh, when, at the end of the story. So that you need to have that in your mind and understand that, uh, that they're rooting for you. Absolutely. The audience is very supportive of the story. Uh, even those that are telling it for the first time will by and large get a round of applause at the very least from their students. Uh, With practice and with the ability to put emotion and to gauge your audience and start playing up portions of the story that really touch them, it's possible to garner emotion from your audience. And that's when you know you've done it right. Exactly. All right, well, uh, we are ready. Uh, we're ready for you guys to uh, to come on. I, I see that I've got another 941 number on here, 941-870. You know who that is? I'm not sure. It may be, uh, may be another one of our guys trying to get through to you. All right, let me I'll just let me bring them on real quick with us. All right, area code 941-870, you're on the air? <laughs> it's Wichita again. Oh, Wichita? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll, just, I'll leave you here. With, I'll, I'll leave we, you we right here. Area code. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eric. Oh. Uh, go ahead and get the ball rolling. All right. Well, I'm going to hand the phone off to our uh, senior instructor here in Florida, Pete Henry. He's the current shoot boss for this event. All right. Good evening, Scout. Long time no chat. Hey. <laughs> Hey, P. Henry, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Last time I talked to you was at Fort Stewart. Yeah, that's right. Right, I've talked to you by PM, I think, since then, or maybe before yes, then, sir. but I don't think we've, we haven't said anything in quite a while. Well, it's good to hear your voice. How are things going there? Oh, outstanding. It's, uh, uh, as it's an SKS said, it's, uh, it's come to fruition. It's uh, better, than, uh, better than we could have hoped for. The venue is outstanding. The weather has offered us a number of challenges and uh, and changes, and uh, we've seen some great improvement. We just revealed two riflemen today, and we're moving forward. Well, we had about the same weather uh, uh, last month for our RBC. It uh, uh, it was uh, cold and windy. Uh, and uh, it had that uh, that sandblast effect during the day, uh, you know, where the uh, the right side of your face uh, was nice and red. The right side of your 
of your rifle sitting there on the line was uh, the blue was blasted off of it, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have any we we didn't have any moisture, so that's something that we missed. Uh, are you guys getting any uh, precipitation, any rain? Yeah, we had some rain on Sunday, and we're due to have some on Saturday during the event that'll follow the RBC. Right now, they're showing a seventy-five percent chance of rain on on next Saturday. Okay, now, know, is it going to get is it is it going to get down to uh, to freezing? Oh, uh, it was twenty-two this morning when we got up, and it'll be well into the teens uh, tomorrow morning. Okay, well, so when the rain comes, it may be sleet, or it may actually even be snow. Then, right? I don't think we'll get any rain while it's that cold. You know, the procedure here in Florida is a front blows through. You get some rain, it gets cold and clear on the other side. Okay. Well, you guys, uh, you you should still be uh, qualifying for uh, some of the winter seed patches, right? I don't think so. Uh, but I would like to see a summer seed patch because if you've ever done an event in Clewiston, Florida, on the southern shore of uh, Lake Okeechobee in August, uh, we should get a patch that's red with little flames on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's quite a few places I think that uh, that might be uh, uh, might be recipients of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So you guys, you got a good group of guys uh, with you there. Yeah. Uh, how many of them group. are are brand new folks to uh, to Appleseed? Mm. I mean, usually there's a mixture we have of, any, uh, anybody here who hasn't been to an event already. Uh, you know, it's it's prerequisite for an RBC to either, as you well know, to either be very well experienced with your rifle or to have attended an event or two prior to the RBC to better set you up for success. I don't believe we have anybody here who's never been to an event. We have uh, one woman and seven men. The woman's done about an event and a half. Uh, her husband is an IIT. Uh, and then we've got... Uh, Two father and son teams, and another fellow who's by himself. Okay, and what about uh, <clears throat> what about the makeup as far as uh, uh, how are they uh, are they all are they all uh, attending with the uh, with the intention of becoming instructors? I'm getting that feeling. Yes, uh, we we discussed the. Uh, what we call the red pill syndrome here, and uh, it sounds like uh, there isn't a one of them here that isn't uh, interested in the concept. So we've, got We've got a couple that are already instructors and several others that uh, I feel confident will want to step up. And, of course, at an RBC, even the uh, people who are not interested in becoming you know, Appleseed instructors will take away the knowledge to at least instruct at their own private ranges, private venues, uh, their own clubs, that sort of thing. So uh, they'll, they'll still be passing the tradition forward, if they do their job, maybe just not for apple seeds. Right, but uh, we're always hoping that we that we can convert uh, as many folks as we can from the RBC to make sure that that the local crews uh, are getting uh, restocked with instructors. Absolutely. Uh, what about the? How does the uh, apple seed that's coming up? How does it look so far? Last I checked, we had ten pre-regs, but then of course that was a week and a half ago when I was ramping up to get ready for this and I have not looked at the pre-regs they would have gone up uh, they should be up by now so I don't know if those have gone up or not yet but uh, anybody who fails to show up for that event is missing out because 
this venue is really something special. It's on private property. These people are sixth-generation Floridians. They own thousands of acres, and uh, it is a rare and special treat to have access to this venue. Okay, so you guys have a good uh, actual distance range here, too. Yes, sir, that's correct. All right. Uh, and today is Tuesday, so when will you guys be moving out to actual distance? We will do a little more on the 25-meter range tomorrow morning. Tomorrow afternoon we'll go into advanced marksmanship education. We'll spend the remainder of the day interspersed with history and coursing some of the basics. We'll spend the remainder of the day going over the mechanics of long-range shooting in preparation for uh, the long-range portion of the event, which will be on Thursday. And we'll spend all day uh, doing KD on Thursday. Okay, great. And... uh Known distance now, are you guys are not familiar. Are you guys camping there? Yes, all of us save one of the instructors is camping. The lodge has two levels of accommodations within the lodge. Uh, they have uh, luxury suites within the lodge and then bunkhouse rooms uh, out in the bunkhouse, of course. Whoa, 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 have... whoa, 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 whoa. I, I said, <laughs> are you guys camping? Uh, I'm getting hey, to that. Hey, wait, hold on. What's all this talk about luxury suites, uh accommodations and stuff like that. I'm describing uh, the full gamut of what's available here. All of uh, us are camping except for one instructor. Uh, now, a couple of us are doing something that wouldn't qualify, at least in its and SKS's eyes, as camping because we have travel trailers with furnaces. But uh, there are a number of tents and uh, a number of brave souls who will climb in this, into sleeping bags this very night and sleep in uh, probably 16 to 18 degree temperatures. Well, I'll tell you what, I've I've done it, uh, you name it, and uh, I've done it uh, out on the trail. Uh, I bet. I mean, the, the first RBC, I think, uh, that I attended was uh, just the opposite. It was uh, an August uh, North Carolina uh, event, and that one, that one entailed uh, stripping down to your loincloth and, uh, you know, and laying there. Uh, in a puddle of sweat. Sure. Uh, we do a lot of trying to Trying to sleep. But uh, I've done plenty of the cold ones, too, so uh, it's not something I look forward to. But, you know, it's part of what you... Uh, it's part of the whole picture. And I always encourage people, if you're going to an RBC, get the, get the most out of it by camping, if you can. And I'm not telling you you've got to... Uh, You've got to rough it. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I tell folks at the RBCs, I don't uh, don't make it hard on yourself for the camping, okay? Because you're here to learn uh, rifle marksmanship and uh, and history. So anything that gets in between you and learning that is not a good idea. Uh, so I, I tell folks, go make it as easy on yourself as you can, but you can't. Uh, you don't get the full benefit of going to an RBC if you don't stay there at the location with everybody else. So that when you get well, through shooting, you get to, uh, to socialize. Because our gracious host, uh, uh, Chris Baden, he is just going out of his way to throw a wrench in my gears all week long with uh, endless luxury me- you know, gourmet meals and, and uh, you know the beautiful luxury lodge. And he's always lighting a fire in the living room and wants to send us out of the dining room into the living room where, where we'll be more comfortable around the fire and such. And I, I keep trying to tell him that, you know, I'm trying to whip these people into shape here. I, I can't have this. I bet you're Man. getting foot rubs, ain't you? 
Man, oh man! I was going to say that that just sounds almost like Sam D's uh, kind of uh, uh, forte there when I, when I was talking to him about the uh, well, it was almost like the same thing, almost like luxury suites and cabanas there at uh, at the NRA Winnington Center. I've been there uh, too. Yep. You know, this is uh, before you do this again. Make sure that you come onto the show and that uh, we get all this information out because. Uh, now you got uh, hundreds of folks listening who are salivating, wishing that they were there, uh, enjoying that same uh, company, being in the company of riflemen, while they're sitting in front of the fire, uh, you know, in their snow boots and getting uh, foot massages and stuff. Uh, <laughs> make sure that you come on. <laughs> you come on next time. Come on before so that uh, that everybody will have a chance to. Uh, uh, to get signed up for this, we'll do that. And I'll also post plenty of pictures on the uh, after action report. And you can see the fireplace I'm looking at right now that's 25 feet wide and 20 feet tall. And the uh, timbers that were cut from the property here, hand hewn by the uh, owner and his father, uh, open beam ceiling. And just it's just absolutely beautiful. Oh my gosh. Man, oh man. I can't say enough about the Rocky Creek Ranch. Uh, it's It's an amazing place. Well, that sounds great. Now, do you guys have? Uh, uh, it seems like I've read that location before. Is that uh, uh, is that a regular location for you guys to have a hold of at? No, it's right up the street from uh, a venue we we do uh, an event at probably once a month, and uh, we did certainly uh, did an event there every month this year. And I guess the better part of last year, the uh, Manatee Gun and Archery Club is right up the street. This is uh, private property. This is the Rocky Creek Ranch, uh, which is on private property about 15 minutes or so away from this other venue. Both of them are near uh, a very small town called Mayaca City, Florida, which, to put it in simple terms, is roughly uh, west-central Florida. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds just fantastic. Now, yeah, yeah. is he going to – well, you will, you'll know after this – if he's willing to uh, to do another one at some point. Uh, I, I believe that would be the case, yes, sir. Uh, he's shown uh, tremendous dedication and support to our cause and absolutely bent over backwards and gone out of his way to uh, make this special for us. Uh, it is definitely not a uh, not a profitable venture for him uh, in any way, shape, yeah. or form. He's uh, spent a lot of money, time, and effort on in- infrastructure to make it more appleseed-friendly, from building the range to setting up a camping area for us with uh, hookups and, and electric and uh, just uh, just absolutely gone out of his way. He's gotten uh, a local cadre of friends to serve. Uh, different friends have come every night to serve as uh, as our chefs and servers. And uh, and what they didn't do, uh, Chris himself picked up with his own two hands, and he's uh, just treated us uh, like royalty the whole time. So, yeah, I, man, I, I oh, man, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm trying to look at, look at my schedule now and see if I can break away from here and get down there. Uh, you're more than welcome, I can assure you. Because <laughs> it sounds like a, an absolutely uh, fantastic uh, location, a great event. Uh, the cold in Florida, I'm sure that's not, uh, uh, you know, that's not the best situation. Because when I think of Florida, uh, I don't think of cold. I mean, I'm trying to picture two, the two together right now, and all I see is uh, a bunch of college girls shivering in their bikinis. <laughs> yeah, we hear a lot of that. <laughs> But I can assure you, when it gets down to 18 degrees and 55% humidity, it's cold. Yeah, 
Well, definitely. And, you know, cold is a relative thing. Uh, if, you're, uh, if your body is used to uh, uh, 95 degrees, then, uh, then just uh, 60 degrees is already a 35-degree drop in temperature. My blood's about so, to stick the paint thinner, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good thing is it's, uh, well, we, we get a little spot of it here or there, but it doesn't clamp down like a vice for five months. You know, it, it, we get a, two or three cold days in a row, and then it comes up to the point where uh, you know you can you don't need any long johns or you know or jackets, just a long sleeve shirt and pants. The only downside is that uh, every year I pray for a cold Christmas day, and I'm generally pretty well disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, don't feel bad because I got the same yeah. thing here. You know, we'll uh, at least uh, 65, 70 percent of the time. Christmas Day is shorts and T-shirts. Uh, you know, it's very rare for it to even be cool, let alone uh, let alone even cold. Now, we had uh, the last year, year before, we actually had a uh, a snowy Christmas. But you know, is it that Texas snowy Christmas where sure. you have just enough snow uh, to make the ground white? Now you can get out there and you can try and make you a snowman, but it's just a nasty old. Uh, uh, snowman, you know, full of dirt and leaves, and uh, uh, that's the best that we can do. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you're if you're going to be out there, if you're going to be at an RBC, then uh, number one, uh, I think that the cold would certainly be better. Uh, with the cold, at least you can put on uh, warm clothes. Oh, when yeah. it's hot, there's nothing you can do. And, and listen, you don't want to see. Uh, a line of uh, fifteen or or twenty uh, riflemen uh, on the ground in their loincloths. It's just it's not pretty. Uh, well, not only that, we all know how that uh, hot brass has a has a uh, special tendency to seek out the most tender spot on the human yeah, body. Exactly. And the less clothes you're wearing, the, the, the more of it is exposed. <laughs> exactly. So at least this uh, allows you to you can bundle up, you can get on the line, <clears throat> and for the folks in Florida. I'm sure that, uh, you know, I always tell folks that that one of the best things about Appleseed is we don't shut the doors when uh, the wind goes up to 10 degrees. We don't shut the doors when it starts raining or snowing or sleeting or tornadoing or hurricaning uh, or anything else. So <laughs> only, only an Appleseed event. Yeah, lightning. Uh, you come to an Appleseed event and minus uh, lightning, uh, you're going to get to see how your rifle system functions in whatever inclement weather uh, that it's in. And not just the rifle system, more importantly, you're going to see how you function. How do you deal with it? Do you get uh, cranky? Do you turn into a baby and, uh, and whine and cry? Or do you gear up for it? Do you, uh, do you become equal to the challenge? And do you persist? You know, because uh, that's, our, that's our mantra is a uh, rifleman, uh, persists, a rifleman adapts, a rifleman overcomes, and that's what you have to do to be a rifleman. So if the weather's cold, you deal with it. If the weather is uh, hot, you deal with it. And uh, and while it would be great to have a just a perfect uh, weather day uh, for uh, for the RBCs, that doesn't make much of a story to tell around the campfires later, and it doesn't do you any good as far as learning. So it sounds like you guys. Uh, you guys are hitting it all just perfect, except for that uh, resort thing. You know, I'm still, a, <laughs> I'm still a little bit, little bit burnt with envy on that one. 
Well, you know. Well, what else you got going? You got uh, any of the folks there that uh, want to get on the horn and uh, talk about their experience? Let me see here. Scout, while he's rounding somebody up, I'd like to break in and put a little example on about that we feeling have, uh, in history. We have one of our fine attendees uh, who uh, just made rifleman today uh, and uh, selected the Desert Tan Limited Edition Coveted Patch, and uh, ah. he would like to say a few words to you. Okay, hold on. Yeah, but get him ready, and uh, I'll call on him in just a second. Uh, Sam D is, uh, is is regaling us with a quick story, and then I'll bring I'll bring him right on. Okay. Okay, Sam, go ahead. You spoke earlier about instructors making the students feel the history. Right. Making the right. students feel the history. And I'm going to tell you that the first time I heard the history, P. Henry was the guy that was doing it. And he made me feel it. He's the guy that got me right there. Where were so you if at? you ever want to get the Raton up at the Whittington Center. Okay. Absolutely. I was just getting <laughs> so the hang of my so second now it, it, uh, now it becomes more clear. Uh, now I can kind of draw the line uh, to connect the dots. Because like I said, as a, as a matter of fact, it may have been P. Henry's write-up on it that I read. When he was talking about the uh, the luxury cabanas that they had there, I think that it was. <laughs> so now we're starting to get now we're starting to get uh, a little bit uh, better picture. Luxury cabanas at the Whittington Center, luxury luxury uh, accommodations there in in Florida. <laughs> all right. Some of us just well, know uh, how to live. That's all. <laughs> apparently. Okay. P. Henry, we're ready for your guy. Give him, introduce him. All right, sir. Good talking to you. Here's David. Well, hi. This is David. Hey, David. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Well, give us a uh, give us a rundown on how it's going. Now, are you a uh, an instructor? Were you an instructor before you went to the uh, IBC? I mean, the RBC? No, sir. This is uh, my second apple seed. Uh, we. My family, several members, uh, did the apple seed in uh, St. Augustine in April of this year. Okay, so you went to the event, and then you decided what? How, tell me how how did you make the decision? You go, you went to the apple seed, you shot there, and then you found out that we had a thing called the Rifleman's Boot Camp, and that percolated in your head, and and finally you said what? This is something that you had to do. Well, it, it is something that I enjoyed, uh, certainly, in St. Augustine. had a great time there. Uh, the people are really what make this program unique. Uh, these people are, are the best in the world. They really, really are. Uh, enjoyed it. The instructors were absolutely great. Eric was, was wonderful uh, as uh, the red hat there in uh, St. Augustine. Really enjoyed that. Um, and so I said, hey, let's, let's try it again. My son, uh, Evan, was also instrumental in... Uh, you know, encouraging me along. He he really enjoyed it, and I did too. And uh, so it wasn't much of a, uh, you know, much of persuasion going on there. Uh, and we brought a couple people with us. Well, great. So it's you and your son there, and then you brought a couple other folks with you. Right. Well, see, that's the way you're supposed to do it. <clears throat> a rifleman is no good by himself. All right. We've, that's right. Riflemen's work in teams. And we're really big on that, on making sure that you have teams with you. So you did it. Uh, you did it just as you were supposed to, David. 
well, you've got a team is- together, and you brought them all there so that uh, so now you've got a group of folks you can count on. Well, that's right, and and, and this uh, this particular uh, program is about spreading that word. That's the that is the whole point. Uh, even in St. Augustine, we brought uh, a couple that um, that we thought needed to hear it. We'd we'd done some research and, and learned about it uh, on the internet and through some other people. And even now, I've got people uh, back home that have been asking me uh, what Appleseed uh, was and had some questions, and uh, I've been able to direct them and uh, get them some good information. But you're right; you have to build that um, that group. Uh, if you will, that uh, that you know you're going to be able to depend on. Right, because when you're at an apple seed or when you're at an RBC, it's very easy. It's easy to be uh, uh, to be motivated to say, "Yeah, man, when I get back, I'm going to do such and such. I'm going to get. I'm going to keep this going. I'm going right. to spread the word. I'm going to be seven stepping, etc., uh, etc." Et and it's right. easy to do at an RBC and an apple seed, etc. The hard part comes when you get home. And you say, okay, all right, I got uh, I got uh, sixty hours of work I got to do. I've got uh, I got birthdays, I got funerals, I got school plays, I've got uh, uh, you know the the meeting at work here. I've got another meeting over here. I've got on and on. How am I? I'm never going to get all this done and get anything else done. And right about that time when you're saying, uh, I'm just going to have to put this off for a while. Your buddy calls you up and he goes, hey, Dave, you ready? Remember we're going to go out uh, and hit some of the places? And you go, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. Yeah, And that's why it. you need the team. It's a lot easier uh, when you have somebody to support you with that. Even your son. Uh, you, you know, you, you get your son you go, hey, son, you ready? Let's go do such and such. And uh, maybe on a certain day uh, you want to go to the range and uh, and maybe you don't really want to go. Uh, maybe there's uh, so many other things that you could be doing, and uh, but your son comes in and he goes, "Hey, pop, we're still heading to the range, right?" And you say, <laughs> "That's right, we're still going." Right. Even though I have all this other stuff to do, son, we're still going. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's it was... a lot easier to do if you have other folks with you that uh, that can help you, that can help motivate you, that you can break the work up with and and share it with. So. Uh, so good job on that, Dave. Yeah, certainly. I mean, this this was uh, this was a sacrifice from work and from family and, and that kind of thing. But certainly not the not the kind of sacrifice that uh, our founders made. Uh, clearly, uh, as Trey was talking about, uh, you know that that uh, sacrifice was was um, well, it's unimaginable to me, really. Uh, so why can't I do a little bit? You know that whatever I can do. Um, uh, why not? I should be willing to do that. Everyone should be willing to do that. Right, and and the sad thing is, is that is that they're not. Uh, right. And and you're right. It's not the same sacrifice, although it is relative. Sure. Uh, because uh, you know we talk about uh, we talk about the importance of what we're doing, and yet sometimes sometimes it's hard. It's hard to place the importance of what we're doing on a scale because <clears throat> because there aren't ranks of British regulars that are approaching. Right. Uh, there is not a fire that you can see that you can put out. There is not uh, uh, you know a uh, uh, a wild rhinoceros charging at you. 
uh, those are things that you can put your hands on that you can say um, immediately, okay, now we've got to do something right now. Right. What we do have instead uh, is rust. We have rust that's seeping uh, into the bolts, into the underside of the bridges, into the hulls of the ships. We have rust that's just as deadly that is that is guaranteed uh, to bring down the nation just as certainly uh, as 60,000 screaming jihadists would. Yes. But it's doing it quietly and from a distance, and it's easy to deny that it's happening because it's happening underneath that layer of paint. Yes. You, know, yeah. you can see the bubble. You know that it's under there, but it's also easy to turn your head and say, well, that's something I can get to next week or the week after, or the week after that. But the reality is, is that it's killing us. Yes, it's creating, destroying it's us from inside. Right. So it's it's hard it's hard to make, like I said, it's, it's all a relative thing, because you are making sacrifices by doing this, because everybody does. We're a volunteer organization. For you to take a weekend off, even just a weekend to do an Appleseed event, it means you have to take it from something somewhere. Sure. And uh, and then you have to justify that, and you have to be able to put it on a scale of how important it is. Right. And it's important. It's important. You know, knocking the knocking the scale off of the beams and and scraping it down to the bare metal so that you can uh, uh, so that you can put a coat of primer on it and then another coat on it is very very dull and boring but if you don't do it then you stand to lose the whole bridge the whole ship yeah, so it's a very important thing yes it is you're right very very important and uh uh we've got uh, people with uh, you know that have scales on their eyes they've been lulled to sleep through a, a gradual incrementalism and uh, uh they need to be uh, awakened you're right right and the more people that you can awake the easier uh, the load is. When it's oh, just yeah. you carrying it, or you and your son carrying it, that's a heavy load. That's yeah. a lot of weight. So the more people that you wake up, the more people that you can get to put their hands on the cart and push, then the easier your job is. It's just, like I said, it's it's hard to, uh, sometimes it's hard to to make that leap and to understand that and to say, yeah, there's a guy, he's standing five feet from me. I could probably catch his eye and engage him in uh, 60 seconds of elevator chat and maybe feel him out, see if he's willing to, uh, uh, you know, to be a comrade and uh, and work on this thing with me. But it's a lot easier just to keep my mouth shut, uh, pay for my purchases, get in my car and go home. And those are the, the little challenges that you have to face every single day. And the success or failure of your mission is going to de- be is going to depend on the decisions that you make. You know when yeah. that when those events occur. Right. And, uh, and like I said, it's it's not it's not one of those things that's that's daring that people are going to cheer when you get through talking to the guy, giving him your elevator speech. That people are going to say, "Way to go, Dave! Good job! Right. Good job! You saved the nation." <laughs> let's uh, let's write a story. Let's make a movie about you. Right. Uh, it's not going to be anything that dramatic, and not only that, but you're going to have to do it every day, and it's it wears you down, and uh, uh, 
and it's uh, time-consuming, etc. But if you don't do it, then you're never going to get anywhere. You're yes, never. It, yes, it requires a mindset. I mean, you've got to you've got to have that um, uh, you know that mind that that when someone says something, whatever it might be, uh, that um, you know that you could uh, perhaps have an opportunity, uh, an insight there to influence them. Uh, to say something that uh, might cause them to think, then uh, you need to uh, to take that opportunity. And um, you know, if you're not thinking about these things, if if uh, the apple seed uh, uh, idea is not something that is is part of you, and that you're thinking about it regularly, then those opportunities are going to come and they're going to go, and you're not going to say anything. But if it's right. part of you, if if liberty. And and that uh, you know the desire for that and to see the country return to to what it once was is uh, is part of you. Then when those things are said, when you get the opportunity, you'll say it. You're right. They may not cheer, they may not you know applaud or whatever. Uh, probably they'll just go away. Hmm. Let me think about that. You know. And and that's that's a big part of that. You may turn around and and you know he may come back to you or she may come back to you and and later on ask you more questions about that. And then that's an opportunity to uh, make a difference in that person's life. And, and it's it's a one-on-one kind of thing. And uh, ultimately, you, you change the country. Right. And I have people, I have people who, uh, who will give as their, uh, their take on it is uh, something like this. Well, right now, uh, you know, if if it ever comes to the point where uh, uh, you know where where I need to get my rifle and, and stuff, then, then I'll do it then. But you know, right now I, I don't feel it needs to. Uh, you know that it, that anything needs to be done, uh, and I don't say anything. But in my mind, I know that uh, if this person is not willing to to give the 60-second elevator speech, if they're not willing to do the little bitty things now uh, that can help save the nation, I can guarantee you that they're not going to be there uh, in the event of of April 19, 1775. They're not going to be there. And the other part of that is, is that this organization is dedicated to never letting... Uh, uh, never letting our nation fall to that level. Right. You know, the whole idea is that those folks on April 19, 1775, they fought uh, a revolutionary war because they had to. They didn't have any other choice. Right. We do. I can guarantee you that if you talk to those folks that fought, almost every single one of them, you said, look, you know, we've got two ways this can go, all right? Either you can get up and uh, and every day you can devote uh, 15 minutes of every day uh, to spreading the word and to doing what you can to make sure that the, your rights and freedoms uh, are safeguarded. Now, we're not talking about a whole lot. We're talking about 15 minutes a day. Or you can fight eight long years in a bloody revolution uh, that will end up uh, killing 2% of the total population. Uh, of the Americas, which one do you think that they would choose? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can Love guarantee <laughs> you they would take the 15 minutes yeah. of of jacking their jaws every day. 
Sure. Because that is what any sane uh, person would do. And that's what yeah, we're dedicated to doing. <clears throat> exactly. <clears throat> and those folks, and I'm sure you guys have heard me say this before if you've been listening to the show, that uh, I remember I I read uh, in... Uh, 1776, I believe it was by David McCullough. Mm-hmm. I read the notes from uh, Joseph Reed, who was Washington's secretary. And he was talking about, uh, this was in the dark days uh, of 1776. And he was talking about the folks, uh, it, when he looked around him, the folks that were still there at the very, at the worst part of, of the of the year of, of 1776, the, the folks who would stay, the folks who were who were going the mile, he said. When I look around me, I cannot find any of those noisy sons of liberty. You know who I'm talking about? The folks that are the, the folks that uh, are standing there with the uh, you can you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold dead hands. Right. Uh, all the people that are yelling, "Give me liberty or give me death!" Uh, on and on the computer the keyboard commandos, etc. He said, instead, when I look around me, I see those I least expected it from. You know, and I read that, and I'd already done quite a few apple seeds by that point. I read that, and I can't tell you how much, how that connected with me, because, because that's what I see. You know, whenever I go to an apple seed, uh, when I instruct it at an event, you would think that uh, <clears throat> that you would look out on the line, you'd find 40 guys uh, uh, who were taking leave of uh, uh, their uh, their SEAL, Ranger, etc. Uh, training. You know, all of the the hardcore guys there on the line, learning to approve their marksmanship, making sure that they were uh, the guardians uh, of America. But they're not there. Right. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Maybe they're watching the game, or they, or they had a hard night the night before to, you know, out dancing. If you ask Fred here in Texas, he would say that they were worn out from uh, line dancing and spraying Stetson cologne in each other. Right. <laughs> well, we've or got else they were that. on the way to the store to buy some snuff, uh, right. something like that. But we've instead, got a couple of doctors here. We've got uh, people from, uh, you know, various walks of life and. Uh, uh, you're right. I mean, these people, you meet them on the street, you wouldn't expect that uh, these are the people that, um, you know, that they're interested in uh, the, these things and liberty and, and uh, spreading the, the word. And, uh, you know, they're not they're not what you would look for. You'd, you'd look for, um, you know, the more intellectual perhaps, although the doctors are obviously you know, the, the common folks like myself and some others. Uh, you know, they're not... They're not the ones that you're going to uh, to look for in this particular uh, uh, battle, if you will, uh, for the hearts. Right, and the, but that's America. who's there. That's who you see. You see your neighbors. You see uh, <clears throat> you see grandmas, grandpas, uh, young boys, young girls. Uh, you know, you see retired folks. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. Well, what about uh, how has it gone for you so far? What's been the best part uh, so far, and what's been the worst part? Oh my goodness! Um, probably uh, the best part 
uh, at this point, obviously, was uh, making riflemen. Uh, that was a, a challenge for me. Um, well, congratulations, because well, as I'm sure uh, I don't have to tell you, <laughs> it's no easy chore. No, it isn't. It uh, It's a lot of work. Uh, you use muscles that uh, you haven't used in, in a long time, if ever, <laughs> and uh, there's some pain involved in it. But, uh, uh, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. And, uh, you know, it, it took me two apple seeds, basically, the the one in St. Augustine and then this one, to uh, to make that uh, a possibility. Uh, now, wait, are you sure it was that hard? Because it's only 25 meters. It's only <laughs> 82 feet. Now, are you sure it's that hard? Well, you hit a one-inch square at 25 meters uh, with a 22. That's um, that's pretty tough. That is pretty tough. Uh, you well, got to do it not just once. Not just once. So yeah, you hit a you hit a postage stamp from 82 feet. You hit ten times in 60 seconds, and uh, you do it every time we ask you to. Right. Uh, that's a little bit different than uh, than what a lot of people are thinking. So yeah, exactly congratulations, right. David. Well, what about you, uh, what's the yes. best part been so far? Well, well you that, said that was the best part. That was the best. worst part was probably the wind and sand. We we <laughs> the first couple of days it was. It was cool, but not cold yet. Now it's very cold. Uh, but the wind was blowing, oh, 25 continuous gusts of probably 40. So, you know, I mean, some of these uh, uh, shoots you do standing, some sitting, and some prone. Uh, standing, it was next to impossible uh, to, to do uh, to clear that uh, section. So it was very difficult. And then, uh, of course, now you've got sand in everywhere. Um, and uh, hopefully your rifle uh, continues to function. Uh, and you clean it up after dark and uh, try it again the next day. So, okay. Have you shot your rifle to failure yet? Um, no. I wouldn't say to failure. I've had some malfunctions, but uh, not to failure, no. Okay. So you know uh, you know how it's going to act in a cool, dry, uh, sand-filled wind. So yes. good. You got You have some more information that you didn't have before you know how you're going to do right. in it. Yes. yes and the first day was uh was rain so we've we've um had a had a pretty good uh severe uh exposure to uh the elements as far as what you might uh, encounter out there in real life all right well uh got anything else you want to uh, sling at us oh well, i'd just say that uh you know it, it's not an uh an easy thing necessarily it's a lot of fun Primarily because of the people, the camaraderie, and the and the, and the challenge. Um, if you're up to a challenge, that's that's uh, really good. Uh, the biggest part is the history. Uh, this stuff you just didn't learn in your your high school American history class. Uh, it's just not there. And uh, these events uh, shape this country. Uh, and it's important for us to know those and to pass those on. Um, so if you're interested in in the history, and if you're interested in learning how to shoot. Uh, the Appleseed event is uh, is a venue that, uh, that I would highly recommend. I don't know of anything else like it. Well, thank you for for taking the time to come, for bringing your son, and for grabbing your neighbors uh, or friends, whoever it was, and bringing them with you. Uh, we got about a 17 minutes left, so uh, if there's any of the rest of the folks that want to talk, let's try and sling them through there so we can give everybody a chance to talk. All right. I'll check and see if there is. It was All very right. Good Thank you, David. You. It was great speaking with you. 
Anybody else? Let me see if I I've got another caller here. Let me let me see if I I don't remember if I brought this guy out or not. I'll bring him on real quick. Area code five three zero seven nine six. You're on the air. Oh, hi, Scout. Hey, who's this? Oh, my name's Reed. I'm an occasional caller and occasional apple seed shooter. Okay. But I'll be darn. Yes. But I'll be darn. My my mom passed away last year. It was pretty sad. But I was going through her stuff and I found her DAR application. So you've got me now. I found the original guy who was in the, his name is Jacob Keene. He enlisted as a private in 1776. Well, in the uh, Yeah, in the 1st uh, Battalion, New Jersey Continental Troops, December 1776, commanded by Brigadier okay. General William Maxwell. Served at the All Battle right. of Brandywine, Battle of Germantown, and fought at, in 1778, fought at Monmouth with Lafayette. So ah, you got me now. I'm hooked. Excellent. I'm there for well, you. That's your double in there. Okay. I'm, uh, you, need yeah. to get, you need to get with them and uh, and finish your application and become a member, and then drag them into the uh, into the apple seed portion. Yes. So it's. Uh, I was pretty amazed. I was looking at this guy, and he was 38 years old when he enlisted, and he had seven kids. And I was thinking, holy cow, if this guy had been killed, his family had been destitute. If he'd have been captured, he'd have been hung. His property would have been seized. His family probably would have all ended up as indentured servants. He put everything on the line. That is That's just right. amazing. That's right. And and I've got every one of the kids' names and everything. It's all This goes my grandmother and great-grandmother. They had all documented this stuff, and it's it's all in the record. So, holy cow, I'm just... I went to an apple seed and I kind of dozed off during a you know speech about uh, what happened in the Revolutionary War and so forth. And well, I'm not going to doze off anymore. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, because you you've got a direct line, a direct a direct uh, uh, lineage back. But you know what? Even if you don't, you still do. You well, yeah, still do. They, everybody, this guy helps everybody set it up. listening, yeah. everybody listening at. At an Appleseed event, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you just uh, got your citizenship papers the day before. It doesn't matter. The thing is, is that those people that we're telling you about, when we're telling you the story, those people that we're telling you about, they weren't superhumans. They weren't. Uh, they weren't uh, people who were uh, extraordinary. That you can't be like them. They were people the same blood, the same desire for liberty and freedom. That flows in that was flowing in their veins is flowing in your veins. The same desire to do the right thing, and uh, as JB told me uh, at the RBC, that uh, the most important thing that a rifleman does is the next right thing. That same blood is flowing in your veins. Uh, all right, Reed, we're gonna stay on the line. I'm not gonna close your mic, but I want to bring on uh, as many of the guys from the Florida RBC as I can. Uh, P. Henry, okay. you got somebody else? Uh, no, I believe we're uh, we got nothing but shy people left here, Scout. <laughs> stuck with me. Well, went. Uh, how are you guys working the story there at your RBC? Uh, are they uh, are the folks there going to start telling the story uh, at any point uh, while they're in the RBC, or how do you guys run it? 
what we did was uh, we started out on Sunday. I told all three strikes. Right. Then we went into a more in-depth analysis of some of the key points. Uh, we're getting to the point now where we're having the uh, individual attendees discuss certain points of the story, uh, get them a little more involved. Uh, we've gone into an analysis uh, comparing some of the events in the story on a basis of choices made, performance, and what one man can do. Right. Excellent. <clears throat> and one of the things that I do is <clears throat> I'll have the guys uh, – Sorry. I'll have the guys we'll have someone tell the story and then I'll turn to one of the guys there and I'll say, Okay, you're on, you're up. Give tell me the story like you just heard it. And I'm not interested in in them giving a perfect recitation of it. I don't really care uh if they get any of the names or dates right. I'm I'm always hoping that they do. The main thing I want to do is, is get them to understand uh, or get them used to the idea of getting up in front of their peers and telling the story. And uh, it's it's a lot easier to do it when you're there, you know, it's no different than uh, than getting your physical, uh, you know, in induction. A lot easier to stand there in your skivvies if there's a hundred other guys naked too. Uh, so get the guys to give, start giving the recitations of it, or like you said, giving, their, giving the, the high points of it and getting them used to telling the story uh, in bits and pieces <clears throat> so that uh, so that they're not having to all of a sudden be thrown up in front of uh, a crowd of folks for their first time. So that's a way that, that I try and get the folks uh, accustomed to doing it. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the most difficult part about becoming an instructor. That's why uh, you're not expected to do it until you want to make Red Hat. Full instructor. Right. Right. And uh, uh, and it is difficult. But you. Uh, but better that you start off. Uh, better that you start off on day one, uh, getting ready for it and working and trying to improve your craft. And uh, because as we've said many times already tonight, that the most important part of being uh, the most important thing that you'll do as an instructor is tell the story is making sure that you're able to tell the story, to convey uh, the importance of it to the folks who are listening, and then to tie it back in uh, to today, to make it relevant to them today. Because if it's just history, if it's just things that happened back then and A dry have no list of events today, is unacceptable. Yep. Yeah, then it, it really doesn't mean anything. So what you have to do is make sure that they understand <clears throat> that, yes, this happened uh, 234 years ago, but here's what here is what happens, or here's what it means, and here's the relevance of it today. You know, when you have the uh, the British regulars uh, breaking into the homes and searching them without warrant in Concord, then that makes it a little bit more understandable. Uh, whenever you read the uh, the uh, no unreasonable search and seizures. Uh, that makes it a little bit more understandable when you when you think about the folks uh, getting together and standing there in protest uh, back then, and and relaying relating it uh, to the folks today, or the the fact uh, or 
the idea about getting the message out, you know. Mm-hmm. And back then, if those folks could, within 24 hours, have uh, almost 30,000 men under arms back then because it was important to them, without uh, telephones, radio, email, uh, blackberries, whatever, and how many could they get today? How many people do you think you could you could motivate uh, today to become involved in safeguarding liberties and freedoms? Uh, <clears throat> making sure that you are telling the story in a passionate manner, and then and then uh, tying it back in to current day. Well, what? Uh, after y'all's, uh, after the hors d'oeuvres and stuff tonight, what do you guys have planned for tomorrow? You said you're going to hit the 25 meter again yeah, tomorrow. Right. We'll, we'll go back and review the skills, make sure everybody's zeroed in uh, in preparation for KD with their center fire rifles. Uh, you know, we're moving off to any remaining 22s. We'll be we moved off and we'll move over to center fire rifles all the way down the line for all eight shooters. Then after lunch, we will move into uh, an in-depth analysis of advanced marksmanship education discussing all the particulars of uh, how to make a shot at full distance because uh, as we tell the attendees at an apple seeds you know, when they when they think when they reach the point where they think that uh, apple seeds is tough and shooting the AQT is tough then I lay it on them that uh, making the shot is the easy part the uh, other other mechanics of long range shooting are the far more difficult elements target detection range estimation dope in the wind that sort of thing uh, and then we'll so we'll we'll spend a half a day discussing that interspersed with a little bit more history uh, and some more chorusing and and uh, demos and that sort of thing. And then uh, uh, the following day on Thursday we'll go out onto the KD line and uh, shoot KD all day. We'll begin at 25 meters. We'll shoot an AQ, one last AQT for practice with our center fire rifles. Then we will uh, move back without making any sight adjustments to 100 yards and fire on the Army deep. Well, first we'll fire on four minute of angle squares. Uh, we will check our our point of impact. We'll make sight adjustments using inches, minutes, and clicks, the universal formula that all riflemen know by heart. Uh, then we'll put up Army D targets, which is the original version of the reduced targets we, of course, use at Appleseed. We'll fire for score on the 100-yard uh, targets and standing. We'll proceed back then to two, three, and 400 yards, respectively, shooting all four stages of the AQT at full distance uh, to see if we can get a a full-distance rifleman with a score of uh, 200 or greater. Now, were you talking about using uh, uh, the four-minute arc squares scale to distance? Correct, four-minute of angle squares. In other words, we'll put up a four-inch square at 100 yards. Okay, uh, at 100 yards. Okay. 200 yards, eight-inch squares, et cetera. Okay, great, great. Yeah, that's a good idea because it also uh, reinforces their understanding of it, because I don't think that a lot of folks understand that <clears throat> uh, that I don't care how far away you are. Uh, if you're shooting at 25 meters, four minutes, four minutes of arc is four minutes of arc. That's just the way it is. If you can keep your round within four minutes of arc at uh, at 25 meters, then you're keeping it in within four minutes of arc at 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, etc. It's there's there's no magic, there's no voodoo, there's no extra special skills uh, to shooting at uh, other than as you said is understanding. Uh, I mean there is. Let me let me qualify that. There is some special skills uh, when you get to actual distance because you do have to use uh, uh, the data 
uh, for your rifle. You do have to use wind. You do have to use and to know your come ups. Use him, but the skill of using uh, of shooting to four minutes to arc at twenty five is the same skill that you'll use at any actual distance at any at any range. So shooting to uh, rifleman standards at the twenty five meter uh, is no different than shooting to rifleman standards at four hundred meter. Absolutely, and it's important. Uh, one of the great things about shooting KD, you can read about come-ups, uh, the amount of sight adjustment that has to be made from uh, one point to a, dis- a given distance. When you zero a rifle at 25 meters, what kind of sight adjustment is required to go out to different distances? Reading about that is great. The standard come-ups are great. Blogging about it is wonderful, but nothing compares <laughs> to real-time information written on the buttstock of your rifle and in your data book so that you know exactly how your rifle performs with a given ammo on a give, in a given weather, given humidity, et cetera. Uh, once you get that dialed in, we will teach, you know, we'll teach the attendees how to uh, get their base sight setting and record it so that if they hand the rifle to someone else who monkeys with the sights, when they get it back, they will run the sights down to base sight setting, come back up the precise number of clicks that they know in advance, will put them on the target at any given distance. That sort of information is priceless. And difficult to get because not all ranges, as you well know, uh, allow that you know allow full distance shooting. Right, and I'm telling you, it does. Uh, it, uh, it it is uh, an eye-opening thing, and I, I always like to see folks uh, the look on folks' faces. Like, uh, well, Chris Olgrunt was here at the uh, was here for RBC, and he was shooting uh, the M1 Grand, I think, for the I don't know if it was for the first time. But he never, it was mine, he'd never shot it before. And uh, uh, I told him, I said, uh, and of course, you know, well, you, you, I carry it with the sights run down uh, to protect uh, uh, the sighting system. Uh, I told him to uh, run it up to 12, which was my battle sight zero. And then we were at 400. I told him to put the uh, put the come-ups on it uh, for the move to 400. He dialed them up on there. Uh, sighted in, fired at 10 rounds. They all went to black. And uh, and when he looked at the target, he just had a look of surprise on his face. I said, yep. What are you surprised about? That's ex- that's. Uh, have we been telling you all week that's exactly how it's supposed to work? And uh, but people are still a bit, uh, you know, they're are, they're still amazed when it does work. They're still amazed when we tell them that you're uh, that you're 25 meters zero. It's going to be the same for you at uh, at uh, 250 or 300, depending on what you're shooting. And they go to, out there and they shoot, and it's the same, and they're they're amazed. Yeah, well, it's only scary the first time. Once you see that it's just a simple matter of physics, and you know, barring a horrendous crosswind, uh, it's just a question of uh, understanding exactly how much elevation is required because the line of the bore uh, is parallel but not coincidental with the line of sight. So the the bore has to get angled up so that it meets the point of sight at a given distance. And when you right. do that at 25 meters, because the barrel was pointing up to meet the point of the line of sight, then the round continues up and then goes down. It reaches its maximum ordinate and begins to drop again. So if you're zero to 25 meters, when they see that they hit high at 100 meters, it clicks immediately. They They realize instantly what you've been explaining because you can talk about it all day long, but seeing it firsthand is uh, is a far more uh, tangible thing that's uh, that locks it into their mind. Exactly. Listen, 
best of skill to you guys. Thanks for coming on tonight. Tell everybody there uh, we said best of skill to them. We look forward to uh, reading the uh, uh, the after action on this and on the the apple seed. All of you guys that called in tonight, thank you, and uh, uh, we will see you again this next uh, Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m. Central. B. Henry, uh, SKS, all the rest of you guys, God bless you. You too, sir. Same time, we'll same apple guys, seed uh, next Tuesday. Sam, thank you. Uh, Reed, Mike, all of you guys, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Nice, folks. Thanks, Scott. Take care. All righty.